veterans that are out there, we thank God for you and your service that you rendered. This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. The 20th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to read in your hearing verses 25, 26, 27, and 28. And he reads, But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great amongst you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The title this morning, I would like to take this thought. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. We've chosen this Sunday to honor our veterans. And we want to pause with a heart of gratitude and say thank you for all that you've done. Now understand, if you're anything like me, I get a little uneasy when people tell me thank you for the service in which I rendered. Because when I joined the military, I had no clue of the mission that I would undertake. I joined the military because I was broke and didn't have a job. <laughs> Couldn't find a job. And mama wasn't having that, you was just gonna lay up in her house and not either go work or go to school. And I knew I wasn't ready for school just yet. I wasn't in the right headspace. So I joined the military. And lo and behold, did I not understand that I had joined something that I had no clue of the sacrifice that would be needed to be made. Every military veteran in here can tell you of the many sacrifices that they have made. And some have sacrificed even more than others. Fortunately, I had never had to go to any type of combat situation. But there are some here that have gone up underneath combat situation. There are some that sit in your presence today to have the Congressional Medal of Honor for their service in which they render. There are even some that have the Purple Heart from being wounded in a warlike situation. And so some have sacrificed. And understand that in basic training, I mean, in, in the military, you must go through what's known as basic training or boot camp. There are some things that they prepare you for if, in fact, you do have to go in a warlike or a combat situation. There's physical training, which will stretch you to the limits. There's endurance training 
you'll run five to 10 miles every day. In the heat of the summer of South Carolina, at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, I thought I was gonna die. But understand that it was necessary. It's, an, it's necessary for a soldier, if he's going to be fit, to be able to endure. And much in the same way in our spiritual sense, the Bible tells us that we're to endure. In other words, there needs to be some, some toughness about us as spiritual beings. We can't all faint when we come into difficult situations. It's so a much of the same way there's some endurance training in man's army, there is endurance training in God's army. And God will make certain that you'll be put underneath some pressure that you might be able to endure. In other words, that you might be able to build up some stamina. Because there's nothing worse than being at war and you wearing down and wearing out. Because then you become susceptible to the enemy. If you are not physically fit at a wartime situation, the chances of you returning alive are slim and none. It was said that if you ever encounter the enemy and you have to retreat, just don't be the last one. You got to be able to outrun some other folk. But understand, understand this, understand this, that, 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 that the military has taught us some great things. It, it taught us how to function as a team. And little did I know that this would be necessary when I joined God's army. That my calling was a call to serve. Because every born again believer let me get this to you, was saved to serve. And my question to you, where are you serving at? In what capacity are you serving God's army this morning? All of us have been called to serve. Even before I was called to preach the gospel, I've been called to serve. Realize, realize, realizing that, 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 that serving one another is what Christ came to do. He came and demonstrated how to serve. Oh you, oh, you remember, you remember in the Gospel of John, right before Jesus died, when they were up in the upper room, and Jesus, they were having the Passover meal, and Jesus took off his garment and grabbed a towel and began to wash his disciples' feet. He said that I'm doing this as a demonstration. He said, the, he, said, he said that the servant is not greater than his master. But here you see the master washing the servant's feet. The most menial task of a servant when they entered your house was to wash their feet. And Jesus said that if I'm willing to do this, for you as your master, you ought to likewise do it to one another, to wash one another. It's not a matter of us taking off our shoes and washing each other's feet. This is metaphorically. 
It means that we should be willing to serve one another regardless of the task. The problem is that a lot of us don't want to be served. It's amazing how we love good service, how we'll complain about bad service in a rest restaurant. The first thing we want to do is call the manager and say, hey, listen, I'm getting bad service. But what if God called us on the carpet? What kind of service are we rendering unto him? What, what, what if we start praying to God, the Father, about our service to one another? What would be said about you? What would be said about the service in which you're rendering? Because we're all called to serve. This is God's army. And whether you know it or not, we are at war. You didn't know we were at war? All you got to do is look around you. You can see that we're at war. That there is an attack on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there are folks that are, are, are just bent against rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ and stopping the gospel of Jesus Christ. But will we persevere? Will we persevere in times like this? Will we continue to serve the master? Well, Jesus runs into a problem here. Because in the 20th chapter of Matthew's gospel, Jesus is on his way to the cross. As a matter of fact, he's on his way to the cross in which that's the reason why he was born, was to die upon the cross for our sins. Jesus had the greatest service of any of us. But yet he, he, he's given this example, and this example comes on the request of a mother concerning her two sons. Now understand that in this text, early in this text, Jesus is explaining to them that, listen, I must go to Jerusalem. I must be handed over to the hands of sinful man and must be crucified. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And just as Jesus is announcing his cross and his crucifixion, this mother comes to him. As a matter of fact, the Bible declares it, that she is the mother of Zebedee's children. That's an odd way to uh, identify her. It does not really even give her name, but we know from other texts that her name is Salome. It is believed that Salome is the, is the sister of Jesus' mother, Mary. In other words, she is Jesus' aunt. And she comes on behalf of her two sons. And she said, and then came to him, the mother of Zebedee's children, with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing. And he said unto her, what will thou? And she said unto him, grant these my two sons may sit, the one on the right hand and the other on the left hand. So Jesus is talking about his crucifixion, but she comes to talk about a position. One of the biggest things that hinders us as servants is when we start seeking positions. This was a request made by a mother. Now listen, I don't, I don't, I don't know, we can't read into it, but I don't know if this was her idea or whether it was the son's idea. 
one of the things that we do know is that Salome was always there. She was a, a really she was a disciple of Jesus Christ because there's more disciples than just the twelve. You do know that, right? There are others that followed him. And I don't know that whether, whether she, was, she was just trying to say, well, listen, because I'm your aunt. Can, can, can you get my sons to sit one on the right hand and one on the left hand? They, they, they were more concerned about proximity to Jesus than practically serving others. Jesus has just told them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. And none of the disciples stood up and tried to defend and say, Lord, no, be it far from thee. But yet and still, here we see they're jockeying for position. Understand this, that whenever you're looking for position in order to, to serve, you're operating in pride. Because we should never need a position or a title to serve God. One, one, one of the ones that, that, that really inspired me, a man that was a member of this church, Brother Ecclesi McLittle. He's going on to be with the Lord right now. But Brother McLittle did not need a title to do what he did. As a matter of fact, you didn't even have to ask Brother McLittle to do something. If Brother McLittle see a need, he just automatically got up and began to do it. And I'm with the God that we had more of Brother McLittles. But, but, but listen, I don't want to be too hard on the church. Because I see some good things in this church. I see some people who are ready to serve. I see some people who have rolled up their sleeves and say, hey, whatever needs to be done, I'm here to do it. And this has been a long line of just good teaching at the Macedonia Baptist Church. Because Pastor Twyman taught us not to be volunteers, but to be servants. There's a difference between being a volunteer because a volunteer can quit and sit down whenever they want to. But a, a servant understands the mission. A servant understands that there are folk that are depending upon them. It's difficult for a, certain, a servant to not show up on Sunday because he realizes that somebody may need him. It's difficult for a servant to get mad because he's not recognized and decide he's going to stop serving. Why? Because we serve whether we are recognized or not. In other words, you don't have to pat me on the back because I'm doing it because I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I love his church. I love the people of God. But here they come looking for a position. And so, so, so Jesus tells them, in verse number 22, Jesus answers and said, he said, no, not what ye ask. In other words, you don't even know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I, am, I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, we are able. It's clear that these disciples don't understand 
what Jesus is really saying. Jesus said, listen, I just told you that I'm going to die. I just told you that I'm going to be handed over into sinful man. That I'm going to be crucified. One of the most heinous uh, deaths that a criminal could face. He said, are you willing to do that? Listen here, look here. It didn't take long for them to answer. They, they, They didn't say, well, you know, Jesus, let me pray about this. Or let me think about this. Immediately they say, we, I am, we are, we, we're able to do that. Little did they know that that's exactly what would happen to them. For James was the first disciple to be martyred. The first one to die. My question to you, are you willing to die for what you believe? Are you willing to die for the furtherance of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Are you ready to put it all on the line and say, for God I live and for God I will die? You get many other amens on that one. If you're not willing to say that just yet, that's okay. Because we're all growing and progressing in God. We're all progressing in God. I, I, I remember the time that I, that I, that I told God, I said, Lord, for, 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 for God I'll live and for God I'll die. God, whatever you would have me to do, I'll do. At the time, I had a nice cushiony job on day shift. A week later, he sent me the afternoon shift on a hard job. I started complaining. He said, and you just said, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. Understand this, that I began a Bible study on that afternoon shift and a whole lot of folk came and was blessed by the Bible study. God knew what he was doing. So when I said, for God, I'll live and for God, I'll die. He put me in a place that I might be able to serve him in a greater capacity. That's all I'm saying. If you really want to serve God in the greatest capacity, understand that you must humble yourself. You must come under the authority of God's Holy Spirit and let him begin to move you in the direction in which he wants you to go. Many of us are filled with our own ambitions, things that we want, even in the church. We're on ministries that perhaps we shouldn't even be on. There's other ministries that need you. They need your help. They need your service. And so all of us must pray and ask God, where can you best use me at God? Where can I best serve you at God? These men wanted the position. They wanted to be one on the right and one on the left. Jesus had already told them that when the millennial kingdom will come, that there'll be 12 thrones that you'll sit on and you'll judge the nations. But that wasn't enough for these two. They wanted to be in the prominent positions, one on his right and one on his left. So what do you think the other 10 disciples are thinking at this time? Well, Jesus deals with them as well. Verse 24, it says, and when the ten heard it, 
they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. They had become upset that these brothers had the nerve to come and ask Jesus for this position. I, I can only imagine that Peter was the, the first one to voice his indignation. Because Peter could say, well, Lord, it was me that heaven and earth revealed that thou art the son of the living God. God, God Jesus, I'm, I'm the one that's always in the forefront. I'm the, always the one that's stepping up. And I'll be the only one that will go where the others will not go. But no, Jesus turned and he rebuked them as well. You're getting up upset over something that is outside of my control as well as your control. Because Jesus tells this woman and these two sons that that's not in my hands. It's not in my hands to put one on the right or the left. It's in the hands of my father. God is the one. God is sovereign over who will sit where and who will do what. And understand that that's because God decides to bless somebody and to use somebody in a certain capacity and he ain't using you in that. Don't get upset over it. There's an area that God wants to use you in as well. Sometimes we seem to think that standing in this pulpit is a place of prominence. But it's not. It's a place of service. It's a place of sacrifice. It's a place where we must continue to humble ourselves and to bring ourselves down and realize that it's only by the grace of God that I do what I do. So when you come to me, you say, thank you for the message. I'm like, thank God. Because he's the one that gave it to me. I'm just a vessel that's being used by him. It's not me. So when you come and say thank you for your service in serving in the military, it has the same effect. Because I don't do it for the thanks. I don't do it for the gratitude. My only purpose is that God will use me mightily. What I want to do more than anything else is to bless and to help other people. Even more so than myself. Because this is what God has required of me. And this is what I'll continue to do. To the day that I die. It's to serve him. And sometimes that's hard. Because sometimes you want to fight folk. I don't know about you, but I do. Sometimes you want to say something that you know is not going to work out well. And God will have you to close your mouth. And be silent and let him fight the battles. The reason why we're not serving because we all we want to serve our own agendas. And it's not until you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him 
that you'll actually save your life. They were upset. Jesus gets to his text. Jesus takes this opportunity to teach not just these two, but all 12, as well as Salome, the boy's mama. It says in verse 25, but Jesus calls them unto him and said, ye know that the princes of the Gentile exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority over them. This is, Jesus is saying right here is that, 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 that you as the church or you as the followers or disciples of Christ are not to be like the world. The, the, these disciples understood what the Gentile world and how it operated. And how it operated is that you do what I say or you suffer the consequences. He talks about exercising authority over them. He's, he's talking about using physical might to get what you want. And Jesus said, that is not so with you. You don't use physical might to get what you want. You don't use manipulation to get what you want. You don't use power and authority to get what you want in the kingdom of God. That's what the world does. And sadly to say, that's what our churches are looking like. They're exercising authority over people. They're using intimidation factors. They're being manipulative. But the, what God's word is what it is. And it's going to accomplish that which is set forth. We must stay keenly aware of what God's word says. But look at verse number 26, but it shall not be so amongst you, but whosoever will be great amongst you, let him be your minister. That word minister actually means servant. That's what it means. So in other words, what you're saying, Jesus, is that if I really want to be great in the kingdom, then I must take on the form of a servant. Well, understand, that's what, that's what Jesus did, didn't he? The Bible said that he humbled himself, took on the form of a servant, and became obedient, obedient what? Even unto death. And if Jesus took on the form of a servant, then we ought to do likewise. Again, it comes down to humbling ourselves. It comes down to denying ourselves. In other words, who do we really think that we are when it comes to the service of God? Why, why, why have you sat, sat down on the word of God? God has given us a commission to go out and to make disciples. He's given that to us. This church should be filled with people who, who want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it comes by us. Understand, listen, understand that there is a plan for this church that God has for this church. There is a plan for it. But did you not know that there's a plan for your very life as well as individuals? God has a plan for your life. And it is up to you to find out, God, how do I fit into the grand scheme of the plan that you have for this church? Each one of you have a duty and a service to render unto God. 
Because there are some folk that only you can reach. There, there, there's some folk that only you can bring in. God has assigned some folk to your hand. Don't let one of them slip through the cracks and go to hell. At least without you, at least inviting them in to come in and hear the word. Hear a word from the Lord. Or give them a word. All of us are ministers in that regard. So here Jesus said that if you really want to be great, if you desire to be where these guys were asking for, then you need to understand that it's going to come through how you serve. How much you humble yourself. How much you surrender yourself to the will of God. Stop getting into self and realize that God has a work for us to do. Jesus pretty much says the same thing in verse 27. He says, for whosoever will be chief amongst you, let him be your servant, your slave. And I know we don't want to use that word. But is if you're a servant or if you're a slave, that means that you have a master. And the master of the Lord Jesus Christ. The master is the one that is writing out our agenda. It's giving us our marching orders. You know in the military, you had your orders where you were going, what duty station you was going to go to. Jesus has given us our orders. He's told us exactly what it is we need to do. He's given us our mission in his commission. How are you fulfilling it? I, I pray that this word touches your heart. Because this is an evangelistic message. I'm praying that you would hear what the word is saying in your heart. Because it is the vehicle by which some will come into Christ Jesus. It's time out. But just coming to church. And leaving out of here and forgetting everything that has been said. Not taking it home with you. Not taking it on your job with you. Not taking it to your family reunion, your family functions. You need to take this word to them. But if you want to be chief, if you want to be great, it's going to come through you serving. And then Jesus gives the ultimate example. In verse 28 says that even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus said that I didn't come here for you to serve me. As a matter of fact, there's very little that you can do at this time to serve me. Jesus' objective on the earth was to serve mankind. And he gave the ultimate service in how he lived his life. Jesus lived a sinless life. And he taught us how to live amongst the heathens of this world. He taught us how to walk upright before these people. He taught us how to draw them by our testimony of our lives. That's what he taught us. Yes, this is Jesus. And as we begin to look at the Bible, there are many servants. Abraham served God. When God said, leave your hometown and go into a country in which I would show you. Abraham, thank you for your service. Jo Joseph served God. When he was sold into slavery, 
and went into Potiphar's house and served diligently and then was lied on and sent to prison for 20 years. He served, even to the point to where he went from the prison to the palace. Joseph, thank you for your service. After 400 years of being in Egypt, the taskmaster had become hard upon the people and they began to cry out to the Lord and they needed a deliverer. And God rose up Moses to deliver the people out of Egypt. Moses, thank you for your service. When the, king, when, the, when, the, when the children of Israel demanded a king and God gave them a king, he gave them King David, the greatest king that Israel had ever seen other than Jesus Christ. David, thank you for your service. All of these disciples that he had for three and a half years that he poured himself into, they had become obedient unto him. Disciples, thank you for your service. Look at the Apostle Paul, the greatest writer of the New Testament, a phenomenal preacher, an extraordinary missionary. Paul, thank you for your service. But when it really come down to it, there's only one that served to the fullest capacity. And it was Jesus Christ, the son of the living God that came into this world that he might serve and give his life for this world. It was Jesus that came down through 40 and two generations. Jesus, thank you for your service. He walked amongst us. He healed the sick, raised the dead. Jesus, thank you for your service. Yes, they lied on him, took him from judgment hall to judgment hall. Jesus, thank you for your service. They marched him up on Calvary's hill, nailed him in his hands, nailed him in his feet. Jesus, thank you for your service. They took him down, put him in a tomb. He rose on the third day. Jesus, thank you for your service. This is the service that I'm thankful for. This is the service that moves me to do what I do. Why? Because he died for me. He gave his life for me. How can I sit down on him and not serve him? I'm going to serve him by serving you to the day that I die. But oh, he's coming back again. His work is not finished yet. He's coming back. He's going to rapture the church. And we're going to be caught up to be with him in the air. And then we're going to come back after tribulation. And we'll reign down here for a thousand years. The millennial kingdom will be set up. And we'll still continue to serve him. Even in eternity, we'll continue to serve him. That good and faithful servant, continue to serve him. So to the veterans, thank you for your service. But to King Jesus, thank you for your service. Amen. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Is there one? Is there one?